0: Hey there, this is your host, Angel Donovan, with another episode of DSR Podcast. Become a Better Man. If this is your first time listening, or indeed if you haven't yet done this, go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash get top 13 because there you are going to find a download of an audio which goes through the top 13 pieces of advice we found over 15 years of doing this. Yes, that's 15 years, it's a long time. And we take the top 13 things because we don't want you to get overwhelmed. It's a really good place to start, to start listening there before you dive into all of these interviews with all of these different perspectives gives you a a good foundation. So go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash get top 13 for that. If you have a unique question, something that you really need answered, maybe it's about one specific girl or one specific challenge you have then you can just call me on 323-747-5006. That's, of course, a US number. So if you're outside the US, you can still call that number and leave me a voicemail. Just add a plus one in front of it. And there you just leave me a voicemail. Let me know what your question is. You don't have to leave your name if you don't want to. And we'll get it answered in one of the future episodes of the podcast for you. So to today's episode. Part of my job as head of DSR and a coach is to keep exploring and looking for better answers to everything that helps you to become better men. Basically for you to have a more satisfactory dating, sex and relationships lifestyle. And over the last couple of years, this has included some workshops with today's guest. And I personally found these both effective and really rewarding and I'm certainly be going to more of these because I see it as important to my development. So you can get an idea that's probably going to help you, especially if you're more inclined to develop your relationships with women further. In today's episode, we're going to bring some real simple clarity and practical advice to something that is talked about a lot. Masculinity and femininity and the polarity between the two. Today's guest is the best positioned to bring insight to this as she has spent thousands and thousands of hours teaching workshops on these themes, intimacy and sexuality. She's also the only person to continue on with the work and be approved by David Deada, who most of you will be familiar with due to his very well-known book, Way of the Superior Man. Great book. Now, besides this, we get into some great discussion about what the new challenges are for sexual attraction and chemistry in today's world, which today's guest and myself see as changing. And we also see how today's expert thinking and workshops has been evolving to cater for these. So today's guest is Michaela Bohem. She spends 32 weeks of the year traveling the world, teaching practical workshops to men and women on sexuality, integrity, intimacy, and other aspects of male and female relationships. She's been doing this for over 20 years, and she has done it for over 40,000 hours. Now, if you've heard of Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000-hour rule to mastery of any skill, the idea being that it takes 10,000 hours of practice to get to mastery, then she's basically a 4x of mastery. That's pretty impressive. Some of her ongoing clients include Oscar-winning actors, producers, writers, and multiple Grammy-winning musicians. Michaela has also traveled and co-taught with David Dieta for 13 years of that time. She has a very rich background, including multiple forms of yoga, tantra, NLP, hypnosis, cognitive behavioral therapy, and psychology. So she's brought all of these skills together to create her unique skill set, which she uses in a very unique way in her workshops today. Please enjoy this very unique interview, which I'm sure you're going to get a lot out of. If you would like show notes to accompany the show today, go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash podcast, and there you'll find the transcript, links to everything we mentioned on the show, and of course, links to Michaela Boram and how to get in contact with her, find out about her workshops, and so on and so forth. If you want all of that information directly in your email inbox in future, go to datingskillsreview.com/newsletter. Pop your email in there and we'll send those notes out to you every time we publish a podcast. Now let's meet Michaela Boehm. I'm Angel Donovan and this is the Dating Skills Podcast. This is a 14-year ongoing mission to discover the truth about what works in dating, sex and relationships, to become a better man. Join me as I leave no stone unturned. Chase down every expert, role model and mentor with insights to get us to that goal as fast as possible. This show is about bringing you the best of that information so that you can take it in and change your life for the better, step by step, episode by episode. Michaela, thanks so much for making time to be on the show. Good to have you.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. Just as background, I've attended two of your workshops, uh, one in uh, Los Angeles and another one in London. And uh, they were fantastic, of course, really kind of eye-opening. So uh, I've been looking forward to having you on the show. It's It's really great. So could you give us just a kind of quick background on how you came to be doing these workshops? Because they're quite unique. I'd just be interested in kind of your journey, how you got there.
1: It's a kind of a varied journey because I have a dual background from a very fairly early age on, I started studying with a woman who was a um, you know, lineage holder in a Kashmiri tantric tradition, who um, essentially taught me over 12 years, one-on-one taught me over 12 years. And uh, parallel to that, I uh, studied psychology, NLP hypnosis, uh, Thai massage, regular massage, movement, uh, breath, all kinds of things. And uh, that combination between the tantric background and my psychology background and the embodiment background eventually gelled to uh, me teaching. Uh, I've been uh, actively for 22 years counseling people. I've been a counselor for a long time. And so I've worked with couples, particularly in the realms of relationship and sex for the last 22 years, and uh, in addition to that, I traveled and taught with David Data for 13 years. And um, I also have like a private client roster that's very, very high end, high performance clients that are where I'm working with uh, specifically relational aspects and, and relational sexual aspects in the realm of high performance. So all of those things together, that's just like a super quick snapshot, uh, all of these things together made it so that my offerings these days are a combination of all these things. And um, I've taught extensively over the last uh, six or seven years, meaning, you know, 32 weeks out of the, out of the year or more. So I've seen how uh, things have changed over the years and how relationships have changed over the years, both from a workshop standpoint and from a one-on-one counseling standpoint. So what I'm doing these days is a direct result of having seen to these changes and also the changes in in myself. Last year, my uh, original teacher died and I inherited the lineage from her. So I have now the obligation, not only the privilege, but the obligation to teach in that particular vein with a view of Uh, finding students who can carry forth that particular line of teaching. So, yeah, so there's a lot going on that all comes together in uh, what you'll see these days in the workshops. And last time you saw me teach was, was about a year ago, Ever since then, I've developed a whole bunch of new material based on the findings of the
0: last couple of years. Excellent. Let's talk a bit about that later. Um, (laughs) So you mentioned a ton ton of stuff I'm interested in. Like your original teacher, who was your original teacher you just mentioned?
1: She was a woman who was a householder, a proper Indian householder who uh, I came across in Europe, interestingly enough, because her husband was uh, stationed there. And so I got one-on-one instruction for many years on The more devotional, when people here in the States talk about Tantra, it's all about sex. But my education wasn't about sex in the classic sense. It was about the devotional aspects of uh, everyday life. How everything is sacred, essentially, and how everything can be infused with the devotion to, you know, whatever you want to call it, God, uh, the universe. And where you essentially learn over, at least I did, over the years how every aspect is um, an offering and so the whole life becomes essentially attention to that those principles
0: okay all right great so let's dive into that because when you say devotional does that mean caring about what you're doing because i know, you know i'm mixed up with the, the dea stuff as well There's a lot of passion about following your passion so is it to do with those angles is it to do with giving yourself fully to it like immersing yourself into it or how do you see this devotional
1: Well, I think it's not quite that, it's hard to describe what a devotional activity would be, but you could potentially assume that um, your life as a whole is an offering, right? Or or you could, of course, consider that your life as a whole is drudgery and pain and suffering, however you want to go at it. And both is, of course, true. But in the tradition that I was originally raised, and then, of course, also in the years that I spent uh, teaching with David, there is a Strong attention towards seeing another human being and seeing your environment and seeing your life as a it's hard to put words on it because it just sounds so california new age right?
0: okay <laughs>
1: but as a, as an offering as a giving as a service, but not in the sense of martyr martyring yourself or giving yourself up or having no boundaries, but in the sense of giving off yourself in a way that it opens other people and uh, that it uh, creates a, what in, in my original tradition is called erotic friction, erotic friction being polarity, not only with another human being, but with places and things and uh, existence itself. And it's a bit esoteric, it's a bit hard to talk about because, you know, it sounds so woo-woo, but how it looks essentially, and you see this in many traditions in, in different ways, right, the whole chop would carry water in the Zen traditions is the same the same angle, which is attention to ordinary things as a way to the to the divine, so to speak.
0: When you put it like that in your last phrase, it sounds a little bit like it could uh, relate to mindfulness, which is becoming, how would you say, more popular these days, right? There's a lot of people getting into the mindfulness and, and the yoga kind of area there. Is it in relation to that a little bit?
1: It is. Yes, it's different angles on the thing, but it's it's essentially considering that it's not that you go to let's say a yoga class or even to a workshop of mine where you practice for like three hours being intimate with another human being, but that you become intimate with life itself as it happens and it's not you're on your, computer, your computer then your life begins when you go off work and then you do special things and hopefully they'll fulfill you it's much more a an attention to everything being a portal or a conduit to the divine, however you see the divine, it can be anything really it's just meaningful attention to your life and your relationships and yourself.
0: Well, I totally get where you're coming from. I can appreciate that it may be hard for some of the listeners because we're talking soft skills here. We're talking, you know, as you say, esoteric perspectives on this thing, especially if they haven't had any exposure to similar workshops or you know, even mindfulness and and things like this. So one of the things I wanted to do was, first of all, I'd like to get a bit of background on just how you're living today. What's your kind of relationship and social lifestyle today? Just to give people a bit of background about you.
1: (laughs) It's an interesting place to start if you want to start there, because I live a very odd life in a certain way, but uh, enjoying it tremendously. (laughs) As you know, I'm Austrian, but I moved to the States when I was 28 and I've been living here ever since. And about um, eight years ago, uh, pretty much exactly eight years ago, I bought a a small organic farm outside of Los Angeles. I left Los Angeles where I lived and had an office and worked for many years and uh, moved out into the countryside actually. And uh, I live on this nice small little farm that uh, sustains me for the most part. I mean, there's we buy dry goods and things like that. But I have chickens and ducks and uh, I get eggs from here and avocados and fruit and vegetables and nuts. And I have a full vegetable garden and I rescue animals. I have a great deal of rescued animals, everything from horses and donkeys down to tortoises and turtles, cats, dogs, goats, pigs. So you know, I live a very farm lifestyle when I'm home. But For most of the year, I travel on and off. I'm usually not home more than a few weeks at a time. And I travel to Europe to teach Australia, uh, all over the US. And I also travel with my private clients. So I have a nomadic lifestyle that is anchored in a beautiful piece of land that uh, is always there and waiting for me, which is quite uh, fantastic. And um, I spend my, um, I have a husband. I've been married for 15 years, 14 years, I think. Uh, been with him for 15. And uh, he also travels and teaches. So we have a kind of a lifestyle where we don't actually see each other that much, which seems to be working for both of us. And uh, we're very independent and very much having our own lives and then come together when time and willingness allows. And so I still feel very much that my relationship is new in a certain way because when you're gone that much, it's uh, very... Um, it always stays very fresh, which brings us to the polarity piece uh, in a little bit. And uh, I travel and teach these days with a, with a male co-teacher, which has also been new because um, even though I've taught with David up here at my house, I have a little uh, uh, retreat center up here that was a very stationary couple of times a year teaching out of my house kind of a situation. Now I'm very creatively traveling and teaching and constantly coming up with new material just to address the changing needs of what's happening out there. And teaching with a man really opened the whole spectrum of what's possible on the road, as far as you know, different offerings and uh, different ways of uh, educating people. And that's been really the, the main thrust of the last couple of years is uh, not only creating states where people come to a workshop, they, they have a state experience and then they go home and don't know what to do with it but actually giving people the tools so that when they come home, they have the tools to have intimate connections and uh, connect in their relationships, existing or new, in a deeper way, in a more intimate way. You know, I've also really, this last year, started um, giving some much more detailed instruction on actual sexual things, simply because that seems to be called for these days. and. Um, I think that's all I can say about my lifestyle. It's uh
0: Excellent. I think this is a really good picture. It is an unusual lifestyle. It actually, it might be suited to me. I've been kind of struggling. <laughs> I'm extremely independent and I've kind of been working my way through and some of my more when I find an independent partner, I think it tends to work well also. Yeah. So yeah, you're giving a pointer there for me. Maybe I'm just going to focus a bit more of my attention on that.
1: Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, I love being different places. And because I'm no longer traveling by myself, it has a whole other dimension when you have somebody who you teach with and be are creative with and can explore things. Because it, it the whole travel experience, not only the teaching, just becomes a creative fodder for, for new things. And it's very cool. And then I get to go home and settle in between and have a real anchor and a real grounding uh, experience as well so i get the best of both worlds
0: it absolutely sounds like that <laughs> it does i'm jealous i'll be out there in california soon this mm. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make my little home into bangor i think so let's jump into polarity i mean it sounds like you've added some more practical tools since i last saw you yes lots for people to take home and some of the sexual stuff so we can talk about that later but i kind of I want to give Obviously, we've been talking about polarity. I've read Deida's books a long time ago, and we've been talking about that on the show in, in various lights. However, I think it's a very intangible subject and would like to get it from kind of one of the original sources. And I'm sure you have some very clear ideas on, on how it is. How do you normally explain male-female polarity and how it works?
1: Well, I think things have changed for me personally, being out there and seeing how people interact, and particularly people under uh, 35. I think it's, it's changed very dramatically. I no longer describe polarity in the classic sense where it's masculine and feminine, which is very useful. We can start there, but it's very useful that you can tell that in each human being, there is different influences. And, um, the way I'm looking at these days is essentially that every human has a creative principle, like that the flow principle in them and an organizing principle, which is the masculine, the go principle, right? So you have go in you and your flow in you, so to speak. And each human being, regardless if it's man or woman is made up out of these bits and pieces, right? These two bits and pieces. Now, most people have a place where they, Uh, like to reside where they're most happy, and that would be then considered your essence, your home place. And for uh, many men, not all men, but for many men, that's the more masculine aspect of them, the go, going somewhere, taking something, penetrating, ravishing, attacking a project with full force. That's not only true for men, that's why it's so difficult these days, because many women, have that same aspect very strongly. But sexually speaking, we tend to have a preference. Very few people go completely 50-50 both ways. Most people have a preference if they want to take or be taken sexually, if they want to surrender or penetrate sexually, if they want to be the ones guiding where it's going or be the ones supplying the energy to the occasion. That's, That's usually sexually speaking, pretty clear cut, not in other areas of of life anymore. And so that then leads us to when two people come together, this is also true for places and other kinds of things, but we're talking about relationship. When two people come together, what typically happens to begin with is you don't know that person and they're fresh to you and they're new and they're unknown. And because of that, you have a very strong attraction to them because, as they say, opposites attract. You don't know each other, so it's all up for grabs, and it's very exciting, and that's usually when the sexual tension, the sexual you know, chemistry is the strongest. Now, there's some people who don't have that because there's other things at play, but for most people, sex in the beginning is fantastic. Attraction is fantastic. You can't keep your hands off each other. It's hot. And then what happens is people start conflating sexual polarity, which is the attraction, the chemistry, with the relationship. And what happens, what makes people have a relationship is sameness. The more you have in common, the better your relationship. So one of the classic pitfalls of relationship is that people start They date and then they start spending more and more time together and you start inviting each other over to cook and then you hang out and then it comes that first time where you sit together and you watch a movie or a TV and you become closer and closer and closer. You have common friends. Now you have common interests. Maybe you move in together at some point. You spend lots of time together. You share lots of things. And so the relationship becomes stronger, but the sexual polarity becomes less Because you become more and more the same. And sameness is the enemy of sexual friction or sexual tension. The more the same you are, the more you might be loving and close, but the less sexual tension there is. And then what people do is they go, oh, shit, the sexual chemistry is going. We are no longer that attracted sexually. Let's go to a relationship counselor. And then the relationship counselor says things like, well, are you spending enough time together? Maybe you Mm -hmm. need to spend more time together. Go for a date night. And that's good advice in the realm of relationship, but it's not good advice in the realm of sexual polarity. Because the sexual polarity actually comes from one person specifically for sex, orienting towards their essence. So the masculine towards the masculine, the feminine towards the feminine, and making themselves as different from each other as they can and the difference is what causes the sexual spark polarity means nothing else but two poles that are far enough apart so that there's a you know kind of a spark of attraction an
0: arc of uh, energy right right so i mean to take an analogy from the bdsm world right you have dominant and you're submissive yes. so are they kind of executing that on a more extreme level so you have people seeking to be very, very dominant and they're looking for submissives, very, very subordinate um, people within that community So that, and the people in that community kind of understand it naturally, right? They're like, yeah, the doms are looking for the subs and the subs are looking for the doms. And they actually consciously say, are you a dom or a sub, right? When you start talking to one of these people, they'll be like, you're a dom or a sub, oh, we're not going to fit together. Are they consciously talking about this polarity because they understand it better than the normal society?
1: Well, different flavor of the same thing. Yes, it is definitely an extreme form of that of what we're talking about, where the the roles are very clearly defined. And because they're so clearly defined, there's no doubt it is for the sake of sex. It's for the sake of sexual taking and surrendering. And so it's a very specific slice of what we're talking about. The problem with the whole dom-sub thing is um, that it's usually not sustainable in regular relationship. If you live with somebody, that's not the lifestyle that you I mean, you know, there is some people out there, but you probably want other aspects to your life as well. You don't want to be constantly in that kind of dungeon situation, so to speak. Uh, there's other aspects to life. And because there's other aspects to life, these roles or these, um, these mechanics, because the important piece to know is that having good relationship with somebody, finding somebody with whom you're truly compatible that's hard. It's not easy to find somebody with whom you want to spend your life. It's very easy to learn the principles of polarity, so you can enliven, sexually enliven, pretty much any relationship because these are like physics. Right. And so in the mm. in the dom sub situation, the physics are very very precisely lived out. But of course, anything that's that restricted has its uh, downfalls and, and restrictions. Uh, so. It's good to learn the more subtle mechanics of that principle so you can infuse your life with it so that when you want to have a sexual occasion, which for most people isn't that often because most people have incredibly busy lives. And of course, whatever you do for most of the day is how your body is, but sex still happens in the body. We haven't managed to completely uh, farm it out to our iPhones. So you still need a body for sex. And the body, of course, is a creature of habit. It behaves how it's most used. So if you spend all day doing, 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 and then in the evening, you want to be the one in the flow, the one who is submissive, so to speak, your body isn't going to cooperate that easily because it's used to a different kind of mode. And the other way around, right? If you're a guy and you spend all day, doing, 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 when you come home, you probably need a bit of a break. That will then mean when you have a woman at home and she now wants to surrender because she's all tight and fucked up and tense and you are tired from work, you are going to run into trouble because you need different things. So
0: because but it sounds like because you're saying both people have been doing 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 in our society of of doing yes. right cuz that's that's what it's focused on. Yeah. And so they both want to be taken at the end of the day. People always refer to highly stressed CEOs or high performance people yeah. being in a situation where they're taking all these responsibilities for hundreds of people and then when they want to go home they just they want to be in the opposite chair and more be taken. I don't know if that's something you've noticed.
1: Oh yeah, totally. that's a common trouble in the relationship is then, then everybody wants something that the other person doesn't want to give in that particular moment. And because the way we are built as human beings it, with that tendency towards taking and being taken, we also need a break from that, even though we might want to surrender and we might want to take. If you've taken all day, when are living in an extremely masculine society in that way, right? It's all about doing. You as the doer need a break. And of course, the person who is the more surrendered, flowing, feminine person, if she's been doing all day, she won't be able to snap out of it. So then the classic scenario is that the women go, I'm saying women now, but the more feminine partner, but it's more we're dealing right now with men, women. Uh, the women go, well, why don't you get me out of this? And the guy is going, well, I've been doing all day. Well, do I have to do again? <laughs> and then that's the end of, of the sexual occasion right there in a certain way. The thing to know about that is that each person will have to spend some time apart and some time for themselves doing what what they need to do so that their bodies relax into their natural state. And of course, if you do a lot of uh, pushing and doing and directing, you might need some physical exercises. You might, might need some actual physical work so your body can soften and relax and open again to another human.
0: Right, right. It sounds like you're saying there's a default state for many of us with a bit of male and female polarity. Would you explain it like this? If we went back to our natural sexual inclination, Mm -hmm. would that help us understand what that is? Yes. Kind of take away the pressures of all our lives because obviously they're pushing us in different directions. And we went back to that indication that would tell us what our natural place is.
1: Yeah. So that's the whole idea in polarity is that you find for yourself what is your natural place? What's the place where you are most at home and you cultivate and animate that in your body it's important that it's in the body you can't armchair your way to these things and you have to have you can't decide you play the guitar mentally you know the moment somebody hands you a guitar you won't be able to play it unless you've practiced with your body playing the guitar and it's the same with sexual skill and sexual polarity it has to happen in the body you can't uh, think about it but once you know how to do that in a body, how you can soften or sharpen depending on what you need, then what you, all you have to do for the sake of the attraction is willingly make yourself different. Who does what doesn't really matter in that particular case. It's just that it's different.
0: Right. And that makes the experience for both people. Exactly. Right. Because if you're not working together, I mean, when you're kind of working apart different polarities then it's not going to work, it's not going to be exciting. But if you go the way, which maybe isn't your natural inclination, but is the polarity, it's going to be a better experience for you too. Is that what you're saying?
1: Uh, Both. So You want to be at home in your natural inclination. Like for instance, a highly feminine creature, right? I mean, my mind is all over the place. My, My thoughts are all over the place. You should see my place. My place is a Uh, explosion of colors and textures and flavors and i have all these animals and (laughs) books and beautiful things and altars and statues and whatever so i'm highly feminine in my nature and i certainly like to be the one who surrenders completely however my most of my life is spent doing things going places telling people what to do holding a strong container and uh facilitating for people to have an experience that requires me to be very sharp and very together in a certain way. So when I come home from a day of, um, it's not so much in the teaching because there I have a teaching partner who takes a nice big chunk of that. But when I see private clients where I really, really have to be sharp, I come home and I bark orders. I I just do because that's what one does when one is on purpose. And, um, I like that a lot. I just don't like it sexually. But it could be, let's say, that my man also spent all day teaching, which he does, and he is too tired for him to do the thing that's naturally his, which is the taking part. And then I might still continue being the more, let's say, dominant person in that moment so that he gets a break and then we'll flip it around into the natural inclination. So it's not that you can only do the thing that is yours. You should be well versed in both aspects of the play so you can play the full spectrum.
0: Yeah, I think you explain it with a lot of clarity. I know you just mentioned previously that it's getting more challenging. So I was just wondering what you, what you think there is about the modern world. And you said there's also a difference between the people who are 35 or younger. What do you think it is about the modern world that's uh, maybe changing the forces on this polarity. we we kind of spoken about work a little bit and having to do other things going on today.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's lots. I mean, there's so much and we're just cutting a very thin slice. But one of the things that's, and that's why I have really stepped away from going with the classic masculine, feminine and all of that, because one of the things that's happened now is that these terms are kind of used as yet another way to pigeonhole people and suppress them. Right. And uh, you're not feminine enough. You're not in your masculine. <laughs> what does that mean? It becomes this, uh, this additional weapon in the gender war in a certain way. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be something that helps people understand themselves and their desires and heart's yearnings and inclinations sexually and relationally. So I think what's happened particularly over the last five, six years, I've seen it very strongly, is that there is a lot of women out there who really don't want the kind of life and relationship that they had for many, many, many years. But not in the in the feminist way, you know, of, well, men are bad and uh, we do our own thing, or in the 50s housewife way, where you're just subordinating to a man, but in a way where they both want their active, purposed life and they still want a moment where they can actually let that all go and kind of exhale and lose their minds a bit and relax their body and soften. And uh, most men still, till this day, do want that, that, the ones who are inclined to be taking, ravishing, so to speak, directing a woman. They don't want the full responsibility of a woman just listening to their every command and do what they want, you know, guide them completely, that's that's highly unlikely to happen because people have such different kind of lives. So what's happened, though, which is quite interesting, is that in general, and these are very, very big generalizations, women, because of the way we're in the workplace now and because in the Western world, we now have almost all options available to us, We've actually honed the more masculine skills and that's where our focus is. And we've become highly competitive towards other women and men as well and to a certain degree in order to do what we need to do somewhat unfeeling while men have had to learn ever since women's liberation and beyond that to become more sensitive. because. Lives are not the way they used to be where a guy just went to work, did his thing, came home, opened his tie, put his shoes away and sat there while the woman served him food. Those days are over, so men had to actually consciously learn how to become sensitive, how to become the kind of fathers and partners and friends that can feel something and be sensitive to their environments. And because men were traditionally thought to be not that sensitive and not that feeling, men actually learned things and also were taught different by their mothers. So what I'm finding these days is that for the most part, men are more sensitive than women these days.
0: That's interesting. Is that because they've been encouraged to move the other way while the women have been kind of moving more towards work? I think it's also because a lot of the women, I think they kind of grew up in this situation where... It's been hard. There has been different forces on women, right? Certainly in some in some positions, it's been easier for men to compete in their positions in the market, the job market, and women have to had potentially had to fight harder to get the same positions and so on. Maybe it's less so for the under 30s and under 20s or, and so on. But that's definitely so.
1: That's right. The things that I dealt with growing up are certainly no longer the things that a woman in her early 30s that deals with. And uh, it's a very, very different landscape. And so the things that have been said and written and, and developed 15 years ago or 12 years ago are no longer true for you know people who didn't grow up with those kind of circumstances. And a lot of young women, I'm working with very young women at the moment, you know, 20, 23, 24 in my workshops often, they no longer have any of those uh, restrictions that I never personally experienced, I must say, you know, I was very lucky and privileged to never have experienced any discrimination because of my gender. But I know lots of women my age and older who had to really, really push to get to where they wanted to go. And so there's a certain hardness there and a certain toughness. You know, if you grew up in the 80s and were in business in the 80s, they had assertiveness training and things like that for women. You kind of have to think about that. That's only 30 years ago. But so things have substantially changed. And I think the whole spectrum is available to both men and women now, which makes it, of course, much more confusing and difficult because the rules, so to speak, the rules of physics, the rules of sexual polarity are still the same, though. It takes two different poles to create that tension. And if you don't want to be the different poles because you're both operating in one pole, which is doing, 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 that makes for less and less and less sexual interest. And then because you were saying kink, a lot of times when people get to that point where they're hopefully deeply loving, but at least they get along, but they no longer have that sexual spark, they do things like kink or opening the relationship or things like that in the hope that that will spice things up. And it will because suddenly everybody is different again. But then that wears off, of course. And uh, then you have to do even more far out kink or more open relationship or more multiple partners. And all of those things are options. However, it will all Come down to the same thing if you don't understand the necessity to make yourself different.
0: Right. Well, time we've spoken about this on the show before. Time and time again, you see people get into uh, swinging or polyamory and the couple will break up not long afterwards. Oh, yeah. Because obviously they haven't found whatever the solution to the problem was.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, now you have the same fucked up uh, relationship with five people that you've had with one, you know. Right,
0: it makes it even worse.
1: (laughs) Yeah, wherever you go, there you are, right? And it doesn't take that into account. The principles stay the same, no matter if you do it with one person or five people. It's just also that oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes the whole polyamory situation means endless amounts of processing which of course is zapping you of all energy.
0: Yeah, polyamory takes a lot of investment of time and work. That's one of the things that puts me off it. It's just, uh, you have to decide you don't want to do much else in your life, I guess.
1: Because essentially for the privilege to fuck a few different people, you have to spend most of your days processing that stuff. And that seems, when you look at the amount of psychodrama or, or engagement and the amount of sex, It's not really cost effective. you know.
0: Right, right. Yeah. I mean, it depends what you want to get out of life. I have friends that that do it and they seem relatively happy.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's not to say, I think that that's the other piece that we haven't talked about. I think that the traditional marriage and the traditional relationship is uh, pretty obsolete these days. And there's all kinds of different configurations that have to be taken into account. And because... Of uh, things like Tinder, for instance, right, and online dating, less and less younger men particularly want to settle down, really, or at least be completely monogamous. And a lot of women no longer want that traditional picture as well. They want it to some degree, but with all kinds of adjuncts. And because of the complexity of life, of the life we have right now, and because people don't get married that young anymore either, it's more and more that people have conglomerates of relationships. They might not be sexual with more than one person, but they certainly have multiple go-to partners for different aspects of their lives. And if that's not attended to with some understanding of the principles, then it can get really, really messy. Because, like I said, the polarity, is that's like physics. It's a knee-jerk. You can't help it. It's like when you are a man, it doesn't matter how much you love your wife or, or woman or how old you are. When you see a young, beautiful, a scantily clad woman uh, get up from a chair and wiggle her ass, your body will react. There's nothing you can do about it. And you know you, then neither should you do something about it. That doesn't mean you act on it. It's not like you eat all the potato chips that are available in the world You don't always act on every sexual stimulus, but it's there. And the other way around, in women, a certain kind of a command or being told in a specific way, it creates like a knee-jerk opening, which is why women will fall for their, whatever, tango instructors or tennis instructors or personal trainers or teachers or therapists because that being guided very strongly has an incredibly compelling feeling to it it can't be helped. So when you know what that is, you can actually produce it in your own relationship or relationships in a way that, um, it stays interesting and it's kind of a fun thing to deal with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So would you say if you understand these two concepts, you've given us very neatly the sameness for the relationship and the polarity for the sexual aspect, for the attraction, uh, the chemistry, if you understand these, could you keep a relationship, interesting, engaging. I think engaging is probably a better word, better word indefinitely.
1: Yeah, of course. The thing to, you can, and you can revive a relationship that's gotten somewhat stale. So both of these things are possible. And uh, that's much, much easier than um, finding the right kind of a person to be with. So it's always most important to be with somebody who you truly want to spend time with and then add the... um, Polarity and how that goes. The the discipline in it, though, and that's what most people don't want to do, is the discipline is that you have to maintain separate lives in a certain way. You have to have different activities and different friends and time apart and uh, keep your own life interesting. And for most of us, laziness kicks in at some point. So when you look at the beginning, when you go on a date, well, what happens? The principles of polarity are very strongly in play. One person decides where you're going to go. Both people take time away from their regular schedules. Both people at least are going to restrict their cell phone use to a certain degree on on, on the first couple of dates or on dates, right? And then you get dressed properly and you take the time and you're going to a specific place and you go there specifically to be with each other. So all of those things are the, aspects of polarity then as the relationship progresses you're sitting on the couch with your iphones in one hand tv or computer on the other thing everybody's in their sweatpants and nobody gives a damn anymore in that way and it's very comfortable it's just not very sexy
0: yeah i think everyone can really relate to that and understand it with visual yeah i wanted to go back in terms of practice, it it seems like there's a few stages to this. There's understanding where the other person is coming from in terms of sexual polarity, because I know a lot of guys we talk to they're probably still going to have a difficulty maybe when relating to uh, say what the woman's been doing all day in terms of her job or what she's doing for her livelihood, you know, because some women today, if you're in Los Angeles or areas of California, there's a lot of girls who are yoga instructors, right? And they do tend to have a different energy about them a lot of their life is, is more about this kind of spiritual side, the softer side versus like you meet other women who are a startup, they got their own startups or entrepreneurs. It's a, it's a very different vibe. So I guess guys can place kind of understand women from, from that perspective. Is that a reasonable way to get started for them? To try and understand where the women are coming from? Because I think when they look at them, they, they find it pretty difficult to kind of understand where, how each woman may have a different polarity
1: yeah i mean <laughs> it's hard to understand a woman right i mean and and i'm saying this <laughs> as being a woman because one of the aspects of being a woman and this has nothing to do with um, masculine and feminine per se it has to do with the physical body of a woman versus the physical body of a man and the biological things that come with it and that's also what makes it not so clear-cut anymore because uh, Certain things happen in a woman's body that don't happen in a man's body. For one, the constant flood of hormones, which let me tell you, is nothing that that you ever want to experience.
0: Like a roller coaster.
1: It's like a roller coaster, and and you are perfectly fine one moment, and then you are biochemically completely altered half a day later, and um, that's very hard to understand for any man, and it's very hard to understand for a woman when a guy is pretty even keeled most of the time. And it's like really how. It's just the biochemistry in itself makes it so that women can't be understood in a linear way. What you can understand, though, is that that particular up and down and back and forth and different moods is a constant. And once you understand that that's a constant and you cannot rely on a common thread there because depending on how the wind blows, right, uh, it's going to be different. And that's not easy for a woman either, right? I mean, I and any other woman I know sometimes, what the fuck's wrong with me? Why am I this bitchy or why am I this? But biochemistry in, in its very nature is such that you have very little control over what's happening. Which anybody who's ever had a biochemical dip, can you can't snap out of a depression, right? When people go, well, yeah. You know, just go exercise. <laughs> it's, it's the same thing. You can't snap out of these things. And so with that, of course, comes a whole slew of circumstances uh, that have to do with um, reproduction, safety and security. Because of that in itself and because of the necessity for a certain safety and trust, women orient completely towards safety and trust. And that's biological in nature. So what you do as a man verbally isn't as important as how a woman feels your body, you know feels a, a certain uh, integrity of structure, an integrity of uh, mind, knowing where it's going, the things that we consider safe, trustworthy. So when you try to understand a woman, You can't understand it linearly. You have to understand that she orients towards, can she trust you? Are your actions trustworthy? Is your body trustworthy? Do you feel stable? Do you feel um, like you know where you're going and you have your shit together enough that um, in case of an emergency, you don't crumble and, and lose your shit? That's what a woman orients after. So what you say it's fairly inconsequential. It's all about how you are, how your body is. And so that's why only a good pickup line never works if you are not having the inner integrity to, to back these things up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think this is a good segue to talk about your workshops and, and what happens there because obviously it's more about the... Well, I guess you would say it's about the intimacy aspect, intimacy exercises and, and, and some of the polarity, but it's a very soft experience and not much of it is actually vocal at all. If I remember properly, there's, there's very little that. It's mostly about how the body is and it's this, this type of communication. So perhaps you could give us, what are you doing in the workshops? I guess it's the first question. What kinds of things are you having people work through?
1: Yeah, well, there's different different offerings. There is workshops just for men where we mostly work with the aspects that I just described: How do you work with your body so that your body has integrity, your movement has integrity, your there's an alignment between what's happening in your mind and what your body portrays? The areas of uh, strength and uh, power uh, in the body are being explored sexually and also just how you move through the world. So there's men's workshops, then there's women's workshops where we explore the uh, whole aspect of how do you soften and open your body again after having kicked ass all day. How do you actually create the kind of pleasure in the body that attracts a good man and keeps the man you're with interested in engaging, which also has to happen in the body. It's very, very experiential. And then in the workshops where there's men and women Depending on the length of the workshop, right? we do evening intros where it's just three hours, which I think is what you've done uh, twice, right? In, in the evening intros, it's literally a little bit like a yoga class, right? You go there and even if you've done it 10 times, you still work yourself out uh, in the ways that you learn how to create strong polarity. And the aspects of strong polarity is first presence, being with somebody, men and women alike a cultivating attention that they can keep, which of course is harder and harder with the advent of uh, social media and things like that. So we work first on how do you actually stay engaged with somebody and stay present with somebody and cultivate some kind of a, uh, attention towards that person. And then from there, how do you uh, connect the heart? Because of course, any of these things, polarity, kink, domination, submission, Without the heart, it's just very rote. Right? It's not, it doesn't feel as full and as deep as when the heart's engaged. So we work on how do you engage the heart? How do you do that? How you, do you unguard after having been hurt and betrayed and all the things that we've all had to do. That also happens in the body because it's a bodily disposition. And then from there, we teach the principles of polarity to varying degrees. So like I said, in an evening workshop we go very basic, so you have some things to take home. In full-day workshops we might also go into how do you spice it up once you have polarity, meaning different flavors and textures of human expression, so that it becomes very interesting and very uh, full a play between two people. And then in longer workshops, like I'm I'm about to teach another five-day in Amsterdam, we just did one in Australia and one in the States. In a five-day workshop, we go way deep into those areas where you get real strong underpinnings to how to create polarity ongoingly and personal tools on how to create your offering or your essence. In those longer workshops, we then also attend to sexual skills, um, How do you, the mechanics of how do you ravish? How do you surrender? um, What happens? What's the mechanic that keeps it interesting and not stale? um, How do you stay in your body and don't check out when it becomes a bit darker? The whole darker aspects of sexuality that's a whole other area where we teach quite extensively because. Uh, most people close their hearts when it gets a bit darker and a bit nastier, but most people love the darker, nastier aspects of sex because they free them from their regular constraints. So it's a very interesting area to go into is how do you really talk dirty, do the darker, more dominant things and still stay connected and not just uh, check out or disassociate or close your heart.
0: When you were talking about this last part about sex mechanics and so on that you're teaching, you know, I thought back to porn because obviously, especially for the, I think it's exactly the under 35s. They've grown up with internet porn. So uh, I think the women also, now the younger ones, the under 25s are getting a lot more exposure. They seem a lot more at home with it as well. And I think that seems to be changing their, their expression on social media, on Tinder um, as well, it seems to be getting racier and racier over time. Oh, yeah. And so is that something you find your is that one of the trends affecting the way you're guiding your workshops now?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the thing is I'm all for incredible sexual freedom always around. I think the more or the wider the spectrum, the better. The problem is just, as it is with all these things, that the more desensitized you get and the more you're used to, the number you get. And in the sexual realms, people now need pretty intense stimuli to feel anything. And that's everything from, you know, the the massive wand vibrators to really, really hardcore porn. They say that most 14, 15-year-olds have seen things on the internet that nobody ever before knew before they were maybe in their 20s or 30s. And that's considered fairly commonplace, right? And so it becomes harder and harder and harder to find something that gets you. You become less and less and less sensitive. And so in our work, particularly now that uh, Steve and I are teaching uh, so extensively together, we are really working on resensitizing people, making them intimate with the things that happen in their body. Because essentially, if you can't feel your own body, you can feel somebody else. You just can't. You know? It's like when you're numb and shut off, you will have a hard time with your own sensations and you certainly won't be able to feel anybody else there. And that's, that's a real issue.
0: Right. This brings to mind one of the exercises you had us do. Um, I did it in the evening workshop and I, I did the day workshop and both times you did this exercise and both times it actually affected me quite intensely. Um, it was simply sitting there. We had our eyes closed. We were a girl partner and we just had I held our hands together and we just let them move around naturally between each other. You, you guided us at certain points and then left it. Both times I had this intense connection with a girl to the point that the first time I was quite concerned about it because when we opened our eyes, we kind of looked at each other and I was like, wow, this is (laughs) pretty intense sexual attraction I'm feeling right now. So I feel like I have to get away from it because otherwise I'd want to date you or something, right? (laughs) Like take you on a date. And I know one of my friends actually did this and then it went sideways afterwards, unfortunately. I don't know. if maybe, Maybe it was just too effective your exercise. I don't know. But I found it like both times it was... Really this connection with the, with this girl was amazing. The second time when it was the day, you had us go away with the the partner for lunch, which was an even better experience because then we kind of got to talk through it and put a layer of verbals on it, I guess but I found that about pretty intense, and I guess that one was about developing presence, or how would you describe that specific?
1: Well, that is polarity right but it 's polarity from a, from a place of particularly the hand exercise which i 'm Uh, doing more and more things that don't involve sight simply because that's our go-to sense, right? And so we already have kind of a, a seeing and not so much of a feeling. So developing the feeling sense of someone is sometimes much more accurate because you're not tripped up by the usual triggers, right? It's not just uh, how that person looks, but it's how they feel to you and how your body feels their body. And that creates intense sexual attraction, like you said. Now, you don't have to act on it. It's just a workshop and you end it. Uh, But if you can produce strong sexual attraction with a complete stranger who you are not going home with, you certainly can learn these tools with somebody who you truly love and want to be with. That's the lesson in there but it does require a coming back to feeling and a coming back to the more subtle layers because out there in the world and with porn and everything else available, it is um, very, very...
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's it's the whole world, right? It's it's the TV or everything. Everything's being oversensitized in terms of our stimulation to get to us advertising and, and so on. It all has to be exaggerated and it's a continuously escalating cycle, unfortunately. Otherwise, we just stop listening. That is one of the things. So so in terms of practical takeaways, is that the aspect you're working on more now, giving people uh, things that they can uh, take home and continue the exploration? Or or what specifically are you working on now and most interested in?
1: Well, exactly that. How do you sensitize in your life? How do you feel people? How do you relate with people in a different way? How do you create the strong polarity? How do you develop sexual skills based on actually being able to feel something? Those are the main areas. There's many, many, many other aspects to it. Like I said, the attention to everyday detail, which is another way to sensitize yourself.
0: Are the people who are coming to your workshops now, or you have most contact with, are they all singles? Are the others a good part that are couples? What type of people are coming to the workshops and are you teaching them different things? Like the singles are tending to work on one aspect, maybe a bit earlier in the game, and, and other people were, say in a relationship already they need to focus on something else.
1: Yeah, I mean, the skills are the same regardless if you're single or in a relationship because uh, most of the skills apply to you and how you then use it. You can use it in dating or you can use it in your relationship or you can use it sexually. And I would say it's about most workshops have more singles than couples in the shorter workshops. And then as the workshops get longer, it's about half-half, whereas half singles, half couples about. But it's hard to tell because every workshop in every country and every city is different. But I find that we have both uh, people who are involved in relationships and people who just want to really up their their ability to date and date from a different place. Because, you know, dating these days is no longer an issue. Tinder and all of those things will give you access to more people than you can actually process. But actually having the kind of Experiences that you want to have, everything from just wanting sex to having a very deep relationship, that's harder and harder to come by.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like people are less and less satisfied, no matter if they're having sex or, or, or what. Obviously, a lot of guys think the main goal at the beginning is is sex, especially when they're younger. But I think after a while, they get pretty dissatisfied, even if they're very successful at that as well. What I want to uh, round off with is just you did mention this kind of need or I'm thinking more people of relationships here, when so they've been doing all day, are the sorts of things that you recommend so they're able to reset, so they kind of rebuild their strength and, and and they're able to reset and take on their natural polarity? Is it things like meditation, yoga? You mentioned doing physical exercise. Are these the kind of things you recommend?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we teach very specific things you can do, but essentially repolarizing or re uh, entering the place that you are most at home at has to happen with giving yourself a break from what you've been doing all day.
0: Yeah, excellent, excellent. Okay, so rounding off, uh, I know you have to get away. What are the best ways for people to connect with you and learn more about you? Is it your website or Facebook? Where Where's the easiest place?
1: Yeah, I mean, my website is, I'm, I'm assuming you will list the website on the on the podcast. Yep. It's michaelaboom.com and uh, there's loads and loads and loads of stuff on there as far as workshops go also i have a soundcloud uh, account that's uh, linked from my blog if you go on my blog you'll see there's a link to the to the soundcloud and the soundcloud is i think 50 plus hours of free materials, um, podcasts where I've been interviewed. Uh, I've just started my own podcast where it's essentially Q&As that we've edited with relevant questions. There's also clips from uh, Steve who I teach with. So you get a little bit of a male perspective. He has a very, really amazing background in embodiment and also a very strong uh, sexual background kind of combine it's not the same training i had but it combines very nicely so there's stuff of his on there as well that gives access both from the workshop end and also just from the listening to more stuff
0: end very cool very cool is there anyone besides yourself you'd recommend for high quality advice in this whole area of dating sex relationships
1: um no <laughs> and <worth laughs> saying no not for any other reason than I'm not that familiar with what other people do these days because I've been on the road and uh, doing my own thing. And um, But there's lots of good people out there for different things. It's just, I think it's very important that one is clear on what you want. The problem is when you go to to one modality that has nothing to do with the modality that you're actually working at. And that happens a lot. Right? If you just want to meet people and have sex with them, that's one skill set. If you want to meet people in an environment that you don't know anybody and where you are essentially doing a cold, open, so to speak, that's one skill set. If you want uh, to uh, deepen your relationship, that requires a certain kind of skill set. If you want sexual polarity that requires a certain skill set. And they can't be conflated. And that happens a lot.
0: When, when you say conflated, that means they can't be...
1: Well, there are different modalities, right? If you have communication problems in your relationship, you must see a couple's counselor. If you have sexual polarity issues, you don't need to see a couple's counselor. You need to learn how to have polarity.
0: Right, right. So you're saying you need to address different issues, They're different weaknesses?
1: You need to different issues and, and bodily issues. If you have trauma in your body from sexual or upbringing uh, areas, you have to deal with it in the body with a somatic practitioner. So there's different aspects to it and when they get all muddled together, when people, and this happens a lot in the Tantra world, when people try to deal with their injuries by pushing themselves past their edge or to their edge, they're actually incurring more injury because they're hitting the same rut again and again and again. So it's important to know what you're getting yourself into so you're not stumbling into a situation where you just re-traumatize yourself or violate yourself or become more numb in an attempt to become more open. That just doesn't work.
0: It's not an easy path. Okay, last question. Uh, what are the top three recommendations to guys starting from scratch without prior knowledge to improve their dating life, dating sex and relationships as fast as possible? What would the top three takeaways?
1: Well, I think the top three takeaways are find ways to open your body, relax your body so that you can feel what's happening. Find ways to... Come back to your natural essence, to your inclination. If you're a man, that would maybe mean doing a workout or doing some meditation or some martial arts. Also spending some time resting and just vegging out in front of the TV or whatever before you re-engage. If you're a woman doing things that create pleasure in the body. Those would be the most important things, I would say.
0: Thank you very much for your time, Michaela. This has been a great conversation, very clear. I think it's hard to bring clarity to the soft subjects like this. And you've given us some very clear frameworks and things to take home. So thank you very much for that.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Okay, hope to see you another time soon in another workshop.
1: All right, bye.
0: Take care, bye. Take control of your dating life today. Take one idea or one insight from today's episode and apply it today don't wait do it today that's all it takes to change your life step by step episode by episode learn more about what I Angel Donovan and my team do at datingskillsreview.com how we help men like you take control of their dating lives